Mark chapter 16, verse 16. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. The first part of this verse says that he that believes and is baptized shall be saved. What does that mean? Does that mean that you believe and you have not been baptized, you're not saved? Let's look at it today. Baptism is a sacrament. What is a sacrament? A sacrament is an outward sign that signifies an inner grace. For example, when someone, when your mom wears the ring, what does that ring symbolize? Marriage. You can't see marriage. You can only perceive that two people are married because you see that they have a ring. And baptism is like that ring that symbolizes a union between two people. Baptism is an outward sign that symbolizes our union with Christ. Do you have to get married to be married? Can you just live together and that is the same as marriage? Can you just buy each other a ring and give each other a ring and that symbolizes the marriage? Does that work? Nope, that doesn't work. The reason is for a marriage to work, there has to be three things. Number one, there has to be a sign, there has to be witnesses, and there has to be the word of declaration. The sign is the ring. You exchange vow. When Angelie and Charles got married, I say, do you have a token that symbolized your union together? And they gave me the rings. So with these rings, this is what I say, before the witnesses, with these tokens, a sign of their commitment to each other, I pronounce you husband and wife. Without that pronouncement, their union is not valid. A, an institution of marriage requires three things. One, there is a sign, okay? there is the word of institution, and then there, there are witnesses. But for a sacrament, there are three things that are required. First is the sign. The second is the word of institution, the, the same. For a, a sacrament, there's a third thing, and that is called the promise. And that is why a marriage is not a sacrament. A marriage is a human institution. For something to be a sacrament, it has to have a promise. And it has to have a very specific promise. And that has to be a promise by Jesus Christ. The Catholic has seven sacraments. Protestant reject five of those sacraments and say there are only two. Because for a sacrament to be valid, it has to have the promise of Jesus Christ. If it does not have a promise of Jesus Christ, it is not a sacrament. For example, marriage. For Catholic, they call marriage as a sacrament. But for Protestant, we don't call that a sacrament because it does not have the word of promise by Jesus Christ. There are only two. Number one is the Lord's table, the sacrament of the Eucharist. The Reformed sacramental theology requires that there is a sign. Okay, we go back to sign, the words of institution, and the promise. You are allowed to partake in the Lord's table after you have been baptized, which is the other sacrament that is accepted. There are only two. The Lord's table, the reason why it's a sacrament, because it has Christ's promise. The sign is the bread and wine. The words of institution is, this is my body, this is my blood. That is the word of institution. And number three, the promise is this. Who eats of my flesh and drink of my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day, the promise. So that is one that has the promise, has the sign, 
and it has the words of institution. Baptism has a sign. The sign is the immersion in water, signifying death and rebirth, and a new life in Jesus Christ. That is the sign. The word of institution is this. I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That is the word that is said when we are baptized, the word of institution. The promise is this. Whosoever believes and is baptized is saved. That is the promise, Christ's promise. Those are the only two sacraments in the Bible that has Christ's promise. Baptism and the Lord's table. And those are the two that we partake. Now, if you have been coming and going to church and you have not been baptized, you don't have the promise of Jesus Christ. And if you're not baptized, you don't partake in the Lord's table, you don't have the promise of the Lord's table. You are missing the grace. And without grace, we are not saved. We're saved by grace. What is baptism? Number one, baptism is God's promise or God's offer, grace, to the baptized. If you're not baptized, you're not receiving God's promise of grace. It replaces circumcision. It is a covenant of salvation, meaning when you are saved and you're baptized, the covenant of salvation is baptism. And sometimes we go through life and we stray far away from God. Baptism is that one point where you remember and you say, that is God's covenant with me, I'm saved. Without baptism, what do you look back to? There's no point in your history with Christ where you can look back and say, that is God's covenant with me. You understand that concept of covenant. Using the marriage um, image, wherever you go, whether or not you're going with your husband or you're going by yourself or you're going without your wife, wherever you go, when people see that you wear that ring, even though you're, you're angry with your husband right now, but they see you wear that ring, they know that you are married. And you take a look at that ring, you are reminded that, yes, I might be angry with him right now, but I'm married to him. Or he is angry with me right now, but he's my husband. When you look at your baptism, you look back at your baptism, you know that God has a covenant of salvation with you. So baptism is very important. Number three, it is a sign of regeneration. Now I say it is a sign of regeneration because for me and for the teaching of this church, we do not teach you baptism regenerate you. Baptism is a sign of your regeneration. It is after baptism should enter into a stage of regeneration through the grace of God. We don't teach that because you're baptized, you are regenerated. Baptism is when God promises to give you grace when you're baptized. If you're not baptized, you don't have that promise. You have nothing to hold on to. When you're baptized, then you have that promise that God gave you. Even though, for example, you have seen that people get married to each other and then they get divorced. With God, there's no such thing as divorce. When God promised something to you, He will not break it no nullification of covenant with God. God will commit and to his promise to you. Secondly, baptism is union with Jesus Christ. There's no way for us to be united with Christ. We can be united with each other one of two ways. One is you get married with each other through the institution of marriage. Or number two, you get born into that family. How do you get united with Jesus Christ? through baptism. 
The union with Christ means you are united with Christ in death, in burial, and in resurrection. You die with Christ, you bury with Christ, and now you have been risen with Christ. That's what it means. Do you feel it? No, you don't feel it. But that's what it means when you are baptized in Jesus Christ. Number two, you are union with Christ with his history, okay, with the history of Jesus Christ, and with the position of Jesus Christ. Everything that Jesus Christ gone through in history, that is your history. When he went to the cross, that was you that went to the cross because now you and Christ is one. So when he healed the sick, that was you that healed the sick. When he raised the dead, that was you that raised the dead. And you are union with Christ through position as well. Meaning when you stand before God, you are Christ. When God sees you, he sees Christ. You are union with Christ in position as well. When God says that you are my son to Jesus Christ, he is saying that to all of those who are unionized with Christ. He's saying that you are his son, you are his daughter. You are union with Christ's position as well as history. When Jesus was crucified, you were crucified. Remember the apostle Paul says, I am crucified with Christ. That's what union with Christ means. Union with Christ means you are union with Christ in his work and in his ministry. Greater things shall you do, not outside of Christ, but within Christ. What Jesus Christ did, what Jesus Christ will do, we are that work and that ministry as well. You are united with the church. What does that mean? What is the church? This is the church, but this is part of the church of God. So you are united with the church. With the visible church, I will explain visible and invisible church. You are united with the visible church. You are united also with its history. When we say the church father, we proclaim all of those who are baptized in the same baptism as the church fathers, we calling them all father. We are united together, all those who are baptized, we are one together in the church, in the body of Jesus Christ. We are united in love and in service. The bond that binds us together is our love for Christ, for God, for his people. And the thing that binds us together is the work and the ministry that we have in the church. Lastly, and the most important thing, baptism is that we are united with the Trinity. Think about this. When you are baptized, the word of institution say this. I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That is the Trinity. When we are baptized in the name of the Father, Son, of the Holy Spirit, we are then become part of the Trinity. We are united in eternity with God and in everlasting love. That's how we get eternal life. That's how we will be part of God's eternity. When you are baptized, you are united with the Trinity. When a person is baptized, that person is made a member of the visible church. We are a visible being. We exist, we see each other, we can touch each other, we can hear each other, we talk and we can listen and understand each other. That's the visible church. The visible church is when you can step inside a building and you see everyone, you worship together, that's a visible church. The visible church made up of those who publicly claim to have faith in Jesus Christ and their children. The visible church is a church that are made up of people who have publicly proclaimed that they believe in Jesus Christ. What is that public proclamation? Is when you are baptized. 
when you are saved and when you're baptized, you stand before the witnesses and you say, I believe Jesus Christ who died for me, who was buried, who is risen again. When you make that public confession, you are now part of the public visible church. The witnesses saw and they testified that you are now part of the visible church. What is the invisible church then, as opposed to a visible church? The invisible church are made of those who have faith and have been regenerated, truly. There are those who have been baptized, they get into the water, they make public confession, but they don't believe. They are still part of the visible church, but they are not part of the invisible church, the true church. The true church of God makes up of those who have been regenerated. That is the invisible church. As members of the visible church, baptized Christians have a duty to love and serve the body of Christ. You can have a fake faith and still serve the church because you're part of the visible body of Christ. But then you can have true faith and you can serve the visible church as well. And there are many more of those. But then to be part of the invisible church, it's only between you and God. Your sincerity. Baptism is also considered to replace circumcision. Circumcision in the Old Testament was a sign of God and the people of Israel. If you are circumcised, then you are part of God's chosen people in the Old Testament. Were there any Israelites excluded from the promise in the Old Testament? Yeah, there are plenty of them. You violate the law, then you get kicked out, even though you get circumcised on the eighth day. It's a sign of promise. In the Old Testament, it requires that the people keep the law. That's their end of the covenant. God keeps his promise if you keep the law. In the New Testament, he says this, I make a covenant with you, you who are in Christ. And Christ is the one who keeps the promise. If you are baptized into Christ, then Christ keeps the law for you. God keeps the promise and it cannot be broken as long as you are in Christ. In the Old Testament, you have to keep the law and no one can keep the law. That's the difference between the promise of baptism versus the promise of circumcision. Circumcision, for those of you who are old enough understand this, it is the cutting off of the flesh, a small part of the flesh, to save the whole person. In the covenant of Jesus Christ, God cut off the entire body to save you. It's complete. Baptism is a sign of regeneration. Let me read to you in Genesis 17, 14. It says, The uncircumcised man-child whose flesh of his foreskin is not circumcised, that soul shall be cut off from his people. He hath broken my covenant. In the Old Testament, on the eighth day, the child has to be circumcised. If that kid is not circumcised on the eighth day, that kid is not part of Israel. In the New Testament, even though you're born in the family, in the church, you're not part of the body of Jesus Christ until you are undergone baptism. A child is circumcised, does that mean that child is born again? No, it's just a sign that there is a promise of God associated with that circumcision. In the New Testament, baptism is a sign of regeneration. It is not regeneration. When you are baptized, you are not regenerated. It is a sign of God's regenerating you. It is a sign. Not everyone who is baptized outwardly have their sins forgiven, 
only if you believe. If you don't believe, nothing happens. Why do we need to be baptized? Let me give you two stories in the Old Testament, and then I'll tell you why we need to be baptized. First of all, we are saved by faith alone. What does that mean? Only by faith you are saved. You are saved because you have faith and you baptize. Faith alone saves you. However, baptism is a sign of faith, a sign of grace, promise of grace. Without grace, you cannot be saved. Two stories in the Old Testament. First, Noah and the flood. This is in 1 Peter chapter 3, 20 to 21. Once the long-suffering of God waited in the days of Noah, while the ark was preparing, wherein few, that is, eight souls were saved by water. Like the figure whereunto even baptism doth also now save us, not the putting away of filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience toward God by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Why did God save Noah? From what? Noah was just fine when there's no rain. Everyone was fine if there's no rain. Why did God send the rain then? What was the purpose? What did God want to save Noah from? The evil that's in the world. God did not have to build an ark if there's no rain. But the reason why he sent the rain to flood the world because God wants to save Noah from the evil that is in the world. When the Apostle Peter says, eight souls were saved by water, not by the ark, not by the boat. They were saved by water. For God to get rid of evil in the world, he had to send the flood. The ark was just a means to save him, his life, but to save his soul from the pollution of the, the sin in the world. He had to send the water. It was the water that saved him. Eventually, did Noah die? Yeah, Noah died. So the ark really didn't save him. It right? just temporarily extended his life in 900 years. But God wanted to save him, and he sent the flood. It's the water that saves. The water saved Noah. It was an anti-type in the Old Testament, meaning the water saved Noah from the wickedness in the world. It's not the boat. The water of baptism saves us from the wickedness of sinful or sinful selves. The saving effect here is not the boat in the water, but it's the resurrection of Jesus Christ. See, the boat kept Noah from being drowned. Jesus Christ raises from the dead. That's the difference. Because Noah then eventually would die. But Jesus Christ, when he resurrects us, we cannot die again. That's the difference. Moses and the Red Sea. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 1 and 2. Moreover, brethren, I would not that ye should be ignorant how that our fathers were under the cloud and passed through the sea and were all baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea. So the second story is Moses going through the Red Sea. The chosen people were in captivity in Egypt for 400 years. When Moses led the people out of captivity, what did they have to go through? The Red Sea. There's no other way. For Moses to lead the people out of captivity, they have to go through the Red Sea. Now, captivity talks about sin that's in your life. Baptism is a way for you to break free of the sin in your life. That's the only way. Now, the people, after they got out and through the Red Sea into the wilderness, did they continue to sin? Yes, they continue to sin. But they are now set free from the bondage of sin. They're no longer tied to Egypt. Baptism frees us 
from the bondage of sin. It doesn't mean that you stop sinning. Israel went through the Red Sea, was baptized unto whom? Unto Moses. He led the people out, and it was through the Red Sea they got out of the captivity of Egypt. We are led out of captivity of our sin and of death through Jesus Christ. We are baptized not unto Moses, not unto Paul, not unto Silas, but we are baptized unto Jesus Christ. Secondly, the requirement of baptism is faith. If you don't have faith, baptism means nothing. Have you ever seen a movie that had a wedding in there? You think in the movie they are married in the movie? It looks like a wedding. The person there might be a priest and they say the right word, they exchange the ring. Did they get married in the TV? No. It has to be real. There has to be faith. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 says, For by grace ye are saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. We are saved by faith through grace. That's it. Baptism is a promise. It is a sign that God gives us when we are baptized. Christians are saved by faith, not our works, not a baptism. Now, baptism is a sign of God's promise of grace, and through that, we are saved. Okay, what do you need? First of all, you need to profess your faith. Romans chapter 10, verse 9 and 10, let me read to you. Because if thou shalt confess with thy mouth Jesus as Lord, and believe in thy heart that God raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. It is what we say, our confession of faith, because we are visible being, we are physical being. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confessions made unto salvation. So yes, you do need to confess your faith before God for that to be valid. Profession of faith is a proclamation that a person makes publicly that believes in Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior. For all those who, are, who will be baptized, you need to make a public confession of faith. Just like marriage, when I ask, do you take this man to be your lawful wedded husband? And the lady has to say, I do. You have, you have to verbalize, you have to say it before the witnesses. And then the second is believe with all your heart. Proclamation only effective if there exists a sincere belief in the heart that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Two parts. Make a confession and then believe with your heart. The apostle said, For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness. Okay, you got to believe that Jesus Christ died for your sin and was crucified, that he was buried, and that on the third day he rose again. Remember that. That is the gospel. Do you believe that? If you believe that, you make that proclamation, then you are saved. Again, into the visible church. The sincerity of the heart is where uh, whether or not you are saved into the invisible church. There is an anxiety in trusting in our faith. I don't have faith in my faith. I have faith in the Word of God. So if you think that your faith will save you, you trust in your faith, well, you have a different anxiety. And that is how you know that your faith is saving faith. I don't. What I trust in is I trust in the promise of Jesus Christ. I trust in the Word, what He says. That is something for an individual, for each one of us, when you grow into maturity and when you have anxiety, when you say, I'm never sure my faith is real. The only thing that I'm sure of is Jesus Christ is real, His promise is real, and I choose to believe that every day. You have to have faith in the Gospel. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 17, For Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the Gospel, not with wisdom of words, lest the cross of Jesus Christ should be made of none effect. What do we have faith in? We have faith in the gospel. 
that Jesus Christ died, he was crucified, he was buried, he rose again. Do you believe that? I believe that. And I stick to that. I hold on to that. That's my gospel. That's what I trust in every day. I don't trust in my own sincerity. I don't trust in my own faith. But I trust in what Jesus Christ has said. Baptism does not save you. It is the Lord Jesus Christ who saves us. Without Moses, Pharaoh, and his Egyptian army drowned in the sea. It was not that the sea was any different to Israelites or to the Egyptian army. The difference was it was Moses that led them through. And without Moses, they died. So it's not that baptism will save us. It's Jesus Christ that led us through. And his resurrection will cause us to rise out of the water. Do you believe that? You believe that Jesus Christ is your Savior. That's how you get out of baptism. If not, we're going to be drowned in baptism. Well, I'm not saying literally. I'll, I'll get you out of the water. But it's Jesus Christ that gets us out okay, into everlasting life. Put your faith in the gospel promise, not in the act of baptism. Even though we do it out of obedience, it is Jesus Christ that gets you out. But unless you get through into the water, Jesus Christ does not get you out. It is through the water that we are saved. He that believes and is baptized is saved. Believes and then baptized, that's to salvation. Do you believe it? Do you believe in Jesus' words? If not, then this is what he would say. He that believes is saved, and he that believes not is damned. But he didn't say that, didn't he? He said, he that believes and is baptized. Fourth, unity of the body. Ephesians 4, 5, and 1 Corinthians 12, 13. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. We baptize into one baptism so that we can be one. When I baptized someone 20 years ago, and when I baptize someone in the future, I only say one thing. I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. One baptism. And that statement has been said throughout 2,000 years, has not changed. So your baptism that you have went through and the baptism of the very first Christian is the same baptism. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. So the same baptism throughout 2,000 years. Mind-blowing when you think about it. It's the same baptism that we partake. For one spirit, we are all baptized into one body. It is the Holy Spirit that truly baptizes us. When we are baptized, we are baptized in the Spirit of God. That is the true water. Baptism is how we are unified into the body of Jesus Christ. Baptism is the spiritual door into the church. When you're baptized, you get into the body of Jesus Christ. After the Apostle Peter preached the first sermon, when the people heard the gospel, they gladly received the word and were baptized. Baptism, preaching of the word, always go together. They hear the word, they receive the Lord, they were baptized. That's how the entry into the body of Christ has been. And they were added unto them yeah, the same way. Preach the gospel, baptize, get into the church. 3,000 people were added to this church the same way. The first sermon and subsequent sermons, millions, billions of sermons have been preached. Billions of people have been baptized the same way into the church of God. Never change, and it will never will. Ministry to the body. When we are baptized, you are now part of the body or part of the ministry of the body. You are baptized into the body to function as the body. You are now Christianed as a functional member of the body. You're not just baptized into the body to be there. You're baptized into the body to be part of the ministry of the body. Every person who is baptized into the body of Jesus Christ has a ministry, has a function. You're called into service 
communion, partaking communion, partaking in the life-giving body of Jesus Christ for the grace to live by faith. So when you are baptized, you get to partake in the communion, and that communion gives you strength to your soul when you partake of the body of Jesus Christ. In worship, joining with the saints to worship and glorifying God. When you are in the body of Christ, your worship is now acceptable to God. When you are baptized, then you can begin to learn Christ. Participating in the learning of the doctrine and of Jesus Christ, the knowledge of God. Ministry to the lost. The church has a mandate of Christ to preach the gospel to the lost and baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. I don't remember when I was baptized, probably in 1987, I don't remember. But it doesn't matter. I hope that I keep better records for all of you here. The fact is that I was baptized. And because I was baptized, I'm now inside the church, now I can baptize other people into the church. If you are not baptized, then how can you baptize other people into the church of God? You can't. Who was the first person that got baptized? Who was the head of the church? Jesus Christ, yes. He said, let's do this so that it fulfills the mandate of the law. So he was the one that we baptized in the name of to get into the church. Every subsequent Christian were baptized into the name of Jesus Christ and into the church. The study and preaching of the gospel goes first and then baptizing people. In uh, Acts 3, 2, 38 says, Then Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sin, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So baptism accompanied two things. Remission of sin, meaning forgiveness of your sin through faith. Without faith, nothing, none of these will happen. Remission of your sins and that you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Okay? That's what baptism will grant you, the gift of God to you. It is a covenant between you and God. Believing in the gospel message in Acts chapter 8, verse 37. This is a story between Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch. The eunuch is in a chariot. He was on his way. Philip was taken to the Ethiopian eunuch, and he was invited onto the chariot. What are you reading? And he said, I'm reading from Isaiah. And then Philip went on to explain to the eunuch what he's reading is Jesus Christ. And listen to what happened. They came to a place and there was water. And the eunuch said to Philip, Is there anything that prevents me from being baptized? Now, I want to pause here and ask you to think about this. What do you think Philip was saying to the eunuch in the chariot? What do you think they were talking about? Jesus Christ, of course. What else do you think they were talking about? Baptism. They must have been talking about baptism. How many of you have heard about the preaching of baptism in your salvation message? We kind of just leave that out, don't we? But in the beginning, the gospel always accompanied baptism. Philip must have talked to the inner about baptism because they were writing. He looked out. Hey, Philip, there's water here. Is there anything that prevents me from being baptized? And here, listen to what Philip says. He said, there's one. There's only one thing that prevents you from being baptized. In verse 37, if you believe with all your heart, you may be baptized. That's all he said. If you believe, what is believing in? Jesus Christ, the gospel. If you believe with all your heart, then you can be baptized. That's the requirement. 
Philip must have preached baptism. The gospel and baptism goes together. Preach the gospel, you have to believe and be baptized. Baptism must have been the central point in the gospel message that Philip delivered to the eunuch. Verse 37, he answered and says, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Now, do we know that the eunuch believed with all his heart? Do we know? Do we have any evidence that he believed with all his heart? Nope. There's no evidence. It's between the eunuch and God. But for us, and for you, it is between you and God whether or not you believe with all your heart. And that is the only requirement. For baptism to work, you have to believe with all your heart that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Do you believe that? For all of those that want to be baptized, you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. If you believe that, and if we have water, without water, well, we can't baptize you. So we need to have water, and we need to have your sincerity for baptism to work. And he said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. He said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Make that public confession. I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God was evidence enough for Philip to baptize him. That's all I need from you. That's all I need is your confession that you say, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. I believe that He died for me. I believe that He rose again from the dead. That is the gospel. If you make that public confession, then that is good enough for Philip. It's good enough for the Church of God. It's good enough for me. And we baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And you will receive the gift of grace from God. The gospel was preached. The word of God was proclaimed. The eunuch heard it. He believed it. He confessed with his faith before Philip. And they were baptized. It's very simple. Sign of covenant. The sign of covenant is that have you heard the gospel? Is the gospel preached to you? Do you understand the gospel? What is the gospel? Jesus Christ died for our sins. He was buried. He rose again. All that call upon his name shall be saved. Do you believe that? You understood what I just said. What is the gospel? Jesus Christ died for our sins. He was buried. He rose again. All the call upon his name shall be saved. Do you believe that? You believe that he is the Son of God. That is the gospel. Do you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God? Make that confession. I believe, like Enoch. I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And if the answer is, yes, I believe, then is there water? It's the next question. If there is water, let's get you baptized. Now, after you're baptized, you look back at your baptism as the covenant between you and God. Now, you could have forgotten about God. When you grow up, you've gone astray. And one day, a call from someone, you remember that you were baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You remember that you make that public confession that you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ as the Son of God. And that should remind you that you are in a covenant relationship with Jesus Christ, that you can return to that time and say that I was baptized. I was baptized. Okay, that's what baptism means. Your confession and your obedience at the moment of your baptism is a sign that you can always go back to and say, God made a covenant with me. God made a covenant with me. I can return to him. I can say, I was baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what baptism means. 